almost at the end of this Assassin's series. And we are looking at some hidden killers that can hide in the shadows of our heart. And the sole purpose of these assassins that are in our heart is to destroy our character, our relationships, and our faith. And one of the most helpful verses in the whole Bible was written by King Solomon. And if we can get our heads around this one verse, I think we would all be in a, we'd be different people. And this verse says this, Above all else, guard your heart, for is the wellspring of life. This is the core verse of the series that we're doing. If we don't guard our hearts, everything gets affected. We live from our hearts. We, we love from our hearts. We, we parent from our hearts. We manage money from our hearts. We conduct our friendships from our hearts. My words, my actions, my thoughts, everything I do, do you know where it starts from? It starts from the inside. And the problem is over the years, our hearts get so full of junk, junk that others put in, words that people speak over us, words and wounds that happen to us, or stuff we put in ourselves, stupid choices that we make, things we do, things we see, things we listen to. And all of a sudden, over the years, our hearts get corrupted and polluted. And it's not really surprising over time that all of a sudden these things pop up, uninvited and unexpected into our lives. We say things that we didn't really mean. We do things that we didn't really mean to do. We make excuses for all sorts of behaviours for other people who say, well, you know what, they've got a good heart. Oh, you know what, Mark, I know you've been talking about the heart, but I've got a, I've got a pretty good heart. Well, the prophet Jeremiah would, would disagree with you in some, in some ways. He would say, who can understand the human heart? There is nothing else so deceitful. It is too sick to be healed. I paused right there because Jeremiah came before Jesus. There's another J that was better than Jeremiah. And through the cross, through Jesus, we'd learn that not only is this, the, the, the heart maybe too sick to be healed, but the promise is that he gives us a new heart. And so in Jesus, we can have a clean heart, a pure heart, and God wants us to have healthy, healed hearts. That's what God wants for you, to have a healthy, healed heart. And that's why I've just felt in God that I need to finish this sermon series. And so we talked a lot about guilt, you know, and... Uh, and bottom line is, most of us carry around a truckload of guilt. And guilt says, you know, I owe you. When we hurt someone, well, I owe them. We owe them an apology. I owe, them, I owe it to them to try and make it right. And guilt, unresolved guilt in our life, if it stays inside there, unresolved, it can corrupt us and pollute us. We said that the antidote to guilt is confession. And... Um, we apologise. It starts simply at apologising. We don't make excuses. We apologise. And then we, we try to live differently. So we also talked about the big angry green monster inside of us well, called anger. And, um, and a lot of us can have a real problem with anger. And you may think, oh, I haven't got a problem with anger. Given the right situation and the right timing and the right kids and the right temperature and the right sermon and the right person sitting next to you and the right problem, I tell you what, it doesn't take long for that little bit of poking, and it's, it's not Shrek that rises, Shrek might rise up in some of you, but the Hulk can easily come, and anger can so easily destroy our relationships. Anger, anger says that you owe me. When someone hurts me, they owe me. When someone betrays me, they owe me. And so uh, anger, like guilt, stays inside of us, corrupting our relationships, and anger creates a wedge between me and God and me 
and you. And so um, we said the only way to deal with anger is forgiveness. Now that one's really hard. And I want to encourage you, over the last number of weeks I've been sharing this series of messages. And when our website will be online, hopefully next week, uh, we'll have these messages back online for you to uh, download or review at your own leisure. But the importance is get, we need to get right with God. We need to seek forgiveness. Get right with God. It's better to get right with God than get even with others. And so we've sort of dealt with guilt and we've dealt with anger. And pretty much all of us think, oh, okay, maybe there is, I can probably see there's truth to that. You know, I do, I do carry a bit of guilt. Anyone else? Who carries guilt around sometimes? Yeah. If you don't, you should. Well, now you do. So there you go. Um, we all carry guilt and stuff around. And uh, we can acknowledge, yeah, look, if we're really honest, I probably get a little bit angry. You could ask your kids, and they'll tell you the truth. Ask your husband or your wife or your friend or your parents. The next assassin is a little bit more sneaky. It's called greed. And some of you might be thinking, it's great that the pastor's talking about greed because there's some people in the church who need to hear this message. And some of your parents are going, gee, I'm glad my kids are here because they need to hear this message. Or maybe a, a husband or a wife are thinking, gee, I'm glad that they're here because tell you what, they need to hear this message. If not, I'm going to buy them a CD just in case. Leave it lying around. Hey, have you watched this CD? You should listen to it. Greed. The definition of greed, it says, I owe me. The dictionary would say, greed is an intense and a selfish desire for something, especially wealth, power, or food. It's easy to see it in our kids without looking at my kids. But it's easy to see it in them. It's easy to see greed in other people. Do you know what? It's really hard. Actually, I think we can see it in ourselves, but we don't admit it. Greed says, I owe me. And this is what I want to sort of wrestle with this morning. Because one of the problems with greed is that it is really sneaky. And it can mask itself. It can blend into our lives in such a way that it can even sound good. Well, Mark, I've just been careful with my money. Surely that's not greed. I need to put my family first. Surely that can't be greed. You know what? I'm just trying to be a good steward of my time. Surely that can't be greed. And you know what? All those things are important for us to do. All of those things are, are biblical and, and right and important that we live lives that are good stewards. We need to be careful with our expenditure. We need to put our family and their needs, we need to have them as a high priority in our lives. But they, there are times when they can be just excuses. Well, Mark, how can you say that? Well, I can say that because for me, they're my excuses. And if, if there's times when I struggle with those things, and I know, don't get me wrong, sometimes they're right and good, and sometimes I think it's, it's important we do these, it's always important we do these things. But sometimes they just become excuses. There's times when I have bills to pay. Anyone else have bills to pay? Bills to pay. Don't leave home, kids. Less bills. 
We had our cousin from the UK, who she's probably 25, she came a few weeks ago and told, a little while ago and told our kids, stay home as long as you can. Because as soon as you leave home, all the bills start. <laughs> There's times when I have bills to pay. There's times when I look at what's happening. I love the rain, but I'm concerned about all this sand that is washing out from under my driveway and now washing onto the road. So there's, 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 then there's the stuff happening at home. There's the, the back retaining wall that's now flowing water from someone else's backyard. And I'm thinking all the stuff that then my gutters are overflowing and, and the toilet's blocked and, and the car's broken down. And I've got all this. Anyone else? This is just my house. And I'm thinking, oh man, there's so much stuff going on and there's so many expenses that are coming up and I just need to be careful. And then, the, then, then there's times when I buy things that I, that I don't really need. The things that I want but I don't really need. Or I wrestle with this. I struggle with this. And if I struggle with it, maybe, just maybe you might, maybe not as much as me, but maybe you struggle with some of this too. And when, then when the time comes for us to give an offering to God or, or, to, or, or to help someone else, all of a sudden I roll out my excuses. Is that greed? Is, is, is that being selfish? Well, that depends on my heart. There are the times when I get really, really, really greedy about my time. Needs arise. People need things done. There's, there's, there's opportunities. There's um, things that are great ministry opportunities or, or things to be found. Like for example, we need, we'd love it if, if a few people would say, I'll give one hour a fortnight to make breakfast for some kids who don't have breakfast down at Cahiba School. <coughs> Needs come up. And, and I look at that and Ali is saying to me, Mark, you should, you should, if you want to do that, and I'm thinking, I don't want guilt to make me do anything. But I'm thinking... Sometimes I'm just selfish. Sometimes I'm just greedy for my time. Can I help? Do I have the skills to help? Of course I have the skills to help. It doesn't take much to cook toast. Do I want to help? Well, yes, I do want to help. But no, I don't want to help because sometimes it's inconvenient. Sometimes for me to help meet someone's need... It's, I've got to drive somewhere, go somewhere, give something, do something. And you know what? I tend to be, and I'm being really honest, and I asked one of my kids yesterday, is your dad greedy? Because there's, there's, because that, that's, there's things in my heart I don't want to be greedy. I have to get up earlier sometimes. I have to drive somewhere. Maybe I have to pick someone up or go out of my way. You know, is that greed? Well, is it selfishness? No, no, depends on my heart. Depends on my heart. See, when I say greed, we typically think of the big corporations. We think of the power-hungry warlords around the world. We think of the business tycoons. We think of people who are buying more stuff, not because they need it, just because they want it. We think of Ebenezer Scrooge from A Christmas Carol, who was a miser and critical and, and greedy, or we think, for those who haven't watched that, we think of... of Scrooge McDuck, who is the duck version of Ebenezer Scrooge. And we think of him being greedy and selfish and gathering. And we think greedy, that's them. Greedy is that. Greedy is when someone is just purely gathering stuff for themselves. We're going to discover this morning that there are different kinds of greed. 
And when greed gets lodged in our heart, it changes us and it destroys us from the inside and it destroys people around us and it withers our walk with God. So is, is greed a heart disease of just rich people? Is it only rich people that are greedy? I don't think it is. Greed affects poor people as much as rich people because greed, greed is not a financial issue. Greed is a heart issue. Greed has very little to do with how much we have. Greed has everything to do with what we do with what we do have. Some of you are going to either get guilty or angry from this sermon, so sorry. <laughs> Forgiveness and confession, that's the two things you need to do. Look at this verse. Then someone called out from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide my, our father's estate with me. Jesus replied, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, Beware, guard against what? Every kind of greed. Every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. The, the audience that Jesus was talking to was a crowd of people. And in that crowd were all sorts of people. There were church people. There were unchurched people there. There were followers. There were disciples. There were sinners. There were saints. There was the rich and the poor. In that crowd were the haves and the have-nots. In that crowd was a bunch of people. You know, we would easily fit into that crowd. And, he, and Jesus addresses all of us represented in the crowd. And he says that we need to beware against every kind of greed. You mean there's more than one type of greed? Well, Jesus is saying so. In this verse and the verses to follow, Jesus is particularly dealing with material greed. Verse 16. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have stored, enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Now some of you are thinking, that's not a bad business plan. You know, if, 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 if a, a bank manager was to look at this man's success, he would say, you know what? That's, that's, that's pretty good. You've got, you've got a good investment strategy. You've got a good uh, plan to, to multiply your warehouses and stock and increase cash flow. It's a really good plan. More profit. And it seems this man is really keen on starting retirement early. It, I mean, who would like to finish up nice and early and just be able to enjoy the rest of your life? We all would. And so this man, his motives, they weren't necessarily greedy. They weren't, necessi they weren't necessarily selfish. But Jesus says, well, God said to him that night, you fool, you will die this very night, then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth and not to have a rich relationship with God. That's the point that Jesus was making. He's clearly dealing with material greed and he makes it clear that it is possible to have treasures on earth and be totally bankrupt in your relationship with God in heaven. 
in the Lines in the Sand series, we talked about four lepers uh, in 2 Kings chapter 6. And these four lepers stumbled across an enemy camp that was deserted. God had already gone before them and the enemy had fled. And they found themselves with all this opportunity, resources and riches that were beyond their wildest dreams. You know, and so the lepers came across this deserted camp. All the gold was in the tent, all the food. Do you know what? They could have kept all the abundance for themselves. They could have, they, but they didn't. The lepers could have kept the good news of freedom and, hey, the enemy's gone. They could have kept it for themselves, but they didn't. They could have hoarded the abundance and blessing God had given them, but they did not. They, 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 they understood that the blessing that I've got is not for me. It's not just for me. They, they, they could eat, they could celebrate, they could put some new clothes on, they could get some gold and silver, they can, they can be partakers of wealth and abundance, but it, they are not created to be the end point. Solomon, who was, remember, he was the wisest man who ever walked the face of the earth. He would say, there is another serious problem I have seen under the sun. Hoarding riches harms the saver. Hoarding riches harms the... And there's some good advice. Good advice for us to give to our kids, to your grandkids, to your friends. You know what, if you, if you hoard your riches, the Bible says, you know, that, that can harm you. So what type of things do we... What's he talking about? What type of things do we hoard? Well, riches are probably a place to start. Our, our material stuff. We can hoard our shoes. I'm not going to ask how many shoes are in your cupboard. We can hoard, for me, the challenge is I hoard technology bits and pieces. I've got bits and pieces that, that don't even work anymore, but you know what? I may need them some stage. I've got this. If anyone needs a, a satellite receiver and dish, and come and see me. Or, uh, or about 20 old computers, or about four kilometres of cabling for some reason. We, we, for me, I, I hoard stuff, and don't talk to Ali about it. She's not allowed. I, I gag, gag order on my family. Maybe you may hoard clothes, books. I don't know what it is. What, what's, what fills up your garage? Fancy dress clothes for our, for our kids. What, 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 what type of stuff do you... I mean, I was talking to just Joel this week and we are talking about making a room. We've moved some of um, Ali's father's stuff from Tasmania into our garage and we've got a lot of stuff now in our garage and, and Joel was saying, well, why don't we find stuff that we haven't used in like a year or so? Because we moved up from Shepparton two years ago now and there's still stuff in boxes from then. Obviously, we haven't... Don't, don't you judge me. And so... <laughs> <laughs> Julie will come. <laughs> Can we do the storeroom downstairs in church? My goodness. We all, all of us keep stuff. All of us gather stuff. Just in case. Hoarding puts our trust just in case I need it. Just in case I'm ever going to do that again. Just in case I, I need this, this book from 50 years ago that's not even relevant, I'll keep it just in case. 
Hoarding puts our trust in what we can gather, not putting our trust in God. Hoarding is often rooted in our insecurities. What happened if this problem happens down, this, down the track? At least I've got, I've got at least about 20 different hard drives that I've pulled out of my computers just in case I need them. I never need them. And when I do, they break. Hoarding keeps things just in case. Hoarding is often rooted in our insecurity about the future, not in our security in God. So we, we try to gather stuff, we, we keep stuff, we, we store stuff, we, we put it in our garage, we shove it in our cupboards, we, we stick it in shoeboxes and put them in our wardrobe. I don't know where you stick your stuff. Then you've got the holes in the roof and you can plonk them in the roof or under the floor. I don't know where you got it, but what I do know, you got it. Except for Julie. And she's working on Andrew's stuff. The, the, the problem with, with hoarding, the problem with gathering, the problem with, with keeping and withholding is that it, what it does, it disables our ability when the time comes, we don't want to let go of it. So when the opportunity comes for generosity, we're going, oh, gee, I might need that. Or, you know, if it's finances, you know what, I'm, gee, I, it's... It's, you know what, it's, it's, it's this enemy at work in us that is, that is trying to just keep us keeping stuff. Jesus says this. I say that. Hoarding limits our ability to be generous. That's what it does. It limits our ability to be generous. Jesus says, back then he said, don't store up treasures on earth. There, he says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Jesus here isn't saying don't have, don't have a bank. He's not saying don't have a savings plan. He's not saying don't have an investment portfolio. You know, the Bible teaches us we need to be good stewards of what we do have. We need to be good stewards of our financial future. In fact, in Proverbs, Solomon would tell us, you know what, we need to be like ants who can gather grain and gather stuff during the, the summer so we can store things for when winter comes. So this, this message is not about, you know, it's not about let's sell everything we have and let's uh, give it all away. This message is, is really trying to deal with the enemy of our heart that causes us and, and like me, to want to keep and hold and gather. God expects us to be responsible for our future but to deal with the greed that may be in our heart. Jesus says, don't store up treasure for yourself. He says, don't hoard stuff for yourself. Don't obsess about stuff for yourself. It's not going to last. And then Jesus tells us something which is helpful. He says, store your treasures in heaven. Don't store them on earth. Store them in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves, thieves do not break in and still. How do we do that? How do we store treasures in heaven? What does Jesus mean? Does it mean we need to be giving it to the church? Not at all. Does it mean we need to be sort of, sort of giving it to the person buying a prayer mountain in Nigeria and they've emailed you? Not, don't do that at all. How do we store, is it, is it our prayers that store treasures in heaven? I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about. In fact, Jesus tells us exactly what he means. When, when Luke recalls what Jesus said about this particular story, Jesus said this. Luke says, Jesus says, 
sell your possessions and give to those in need. And this will store up treasure for you in heaven. And the purses of heaven will never get old or develop holes and your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it and no moth can destroy it. According to this verse, how do we store treasures in heaven? It's, it's, right, it's not a trick question. Sell, eBay, Gumtree, garage sales, whatever. Not everything, but giving to those in needs. This will, it's when we realise we are hoarding, we need to deal with the issues of our heart, and when we give things away, giving stuff away. Jesus says by giving, it deals with the issue of our heart, of gathering. Shifting stuff out of our kingdom into someone else's kingdom or into his kingdom. Shift it, redirecting some of what God has given us into, from our home maybe into someone else's home, from our garage into someone else's garage or from our garage into the bin. That's probably a place that, that, that's probably better. Redirecting from my needs to someone else's needs. From gathering to giving. According to what Jesus says, that is storing up treasure in heaven. Now, question for you. Are you, this is not, I'm not asking you to tell me about me, I'm asking about you. Are you a generous person or a greedy person? See, we don't like the word greedy because that's pretty confronting. We can make it nicer if you like. Are you, are you sometimes selfish? Are you self-interested? Are you self-centered? They all say the same thing. But you can smile when you say, greedy is, you know what? Are you, are you, if this is Scrooge McDuck or Ebenezer, not you, Charles, but this side of the, the building, if, if this is greedy, if this is the tycoons and the warlords and the, and the people who just gather, gather, gather at, with no regards to people and, and killing for, for wealth and, and destroying lives for wealth, if that's that end, if that's greedy, and you guys got the non-greedy end. And this is like Jesus. Well, you can't be Jesus. You, yeah, that's, you, you, let's go one step away from you. But giving your life, Mother Teresa or, or someone who's giving everything away, or, you know, if, if, if this is the scale, where would you be? If over here is, is a hoarder and they're going to make it, you're going to be on the next episode of Hoarders, if that's, if that's you over here, and over here you've got, you know, the, the guys who just, just live their life and you know, they just give, 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 give. Where would you be? Ask your husband, ask your wife. I'm not going to ask you. You ask your own husband and wife. But, but where do you fit on this scale? I'm sure we'd like to be at this end of the scale. Wouldn't you like to be here? We'd all love to be here when, when, when money or finances or possession and we're so generous to everyone and give everything. We, I'd love to be here, but in reality, we're not. Well, I'm not there. Maybe some of you are there. Most of us are probably somewhere in, this, in between. Ask your wife. Ask your kids. They'll be willing to hear. Ask, them at a, ask for some real honesty and say, look, you know what? Do you think I'm generous? And they'll say things to be nice to you. They'll say, well, you know what? You're just very careful. That means yes. <laughs> they'll say, you know what? You, you're, you're, you're just being a good steward. That means yes as well. When I first started dating Ali, I was really stingy. And um, 
I really was. Not towards you. See, the problem is I, I, I tend to be generous toward me or generous toward those around me and yet God doesn't want to end there. So generosity, remember, it's not about your stuff. It's about your heart. Ask your friends, am I generous or greedy? See, generosity is not about how much you have. It's about what you do with whatever you have. Paul tells us this at the message translation. Paul says, actually, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I've learned by now how to be quite content with whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much, with much as little. I've found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. Paul's got it. Paul, Paul is showing us something here that I think we could, we could all learn from. Paul's telling us that the key, because we all go through, we've gone through seasons, I'm sure you're going through seasons. Sometimes your seasons are times of little, sometimes your seasons are times of much. Paul says the key, regardless of what season you're in, is to discover that Jesus is the one that can help us thrive in that season. That Jesus is the one that can give us meaning and purpose in that season, that I can do anything, I can survive the time of, of little, and I can be generous in the time of much because of Jesus who makes me who I am. When we think about it, God's so generous toward us. Yeah, the promise of Scripture is that God will bring each one of us to a place of abundance and blessing. And that's not, always, that's not always financial. Sometimes we think, well, it's all about finances. It's not about finances. It's about our heart. And God wants to bless us and, and bring us to a place of abundance. And there's a reason for that. But like those lepers, we were never created to be the bucket of God's generosity. We are not created to be the end point of the generosity of God. We are created to be a conduit to others. God blesses me. God overflows me. Not so I can get a bigger bucket or build a bigger barn. God gives me extra so that out of my extra, I can invest that into others. And I think when we learn to discover what extra we do have, and I'm not saying, I do know that not all of us have, when I say extra, you might be thinking, Mark, I've actually got no extra. I'm running quite low. And I get that. But in that space, you can still be generous. Remember, this message isn't just about money or finances. It's about your time. It's about, I may not be able to give financially, but I can give of my time. I can give of my encouragement. I don't want to hoard. I don't want to keep my words of life. And so you might be here this morning, and you may be, and I do know in our congregation, our size, there are people who genuinely are struggling financially. And this message, I pray that this message does not give anyone guilt, because that's not what it's about. For those who are going through a difficult time, I know that you can do all things through Jesus who gives you hope and strength, who makes you who you are. And so in those times, when you go through times when you can't give necessarily, maybe there's other things you can encourage people with or, or give and bless others with. We're not created to be a bucket. We're created to be a conduit. And when we learn that God blesses us and he wants to bless our, his kids, God wants to bless you. God wants you to enjoy him and enjoy community and enjoy his abundance. 
But when we learn that we can redirect some of his blessing to help others, what we're doing, we're learning to be generous. And you know what generosity does? Generosity breaks the power of greed in our hearts. Generosity defeats greed every time. Every time when you are generous, greed starts to shrivel up in your heart. Proverbs 11 tells us that the world of the generous gets larger and larger and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Reflect on that. Is your world a a world that's free and large where you can be generous of yourself to others? Or are you stingy? Stingy of your time, stingy of your, of your resources, stingy of your thoughts. The Bible tells us if you're stingy, your world will get smaller. But if you're generous, your world will get larger. So, as I try to bring this message to a place that people are going to go, that was a good message. <laughs> or that I feel good about. That. I don't want, let me start again. I'm not here to make you feel good or feel bad. I just really believe that there's things going on inside of us. There's enemies that are lurking within. You know, it's easier to talk about greed, it's, uh, to talk about anger. It's easier to talk about guilt. But I really struggle with this thing about greed because I know typically I struggle with it. Maybe you do. But I know it's going to limit you. It's going to cripple you. So I want to try to wrap this up and to help you walk out of here free. Have you ever met an extraordinarily generous man or a woman? Have you ever found someone that says, you know what, I wish I wasn't generous? You're not going to find that. You'll never find someone who is overly generous and regrets their generosity. In the same way, you'll never find, you'll never find a greedy man who is genuinely happy. I'm greedy, greedy, greedy. You'll never do it. You'll never find a greedy person who's genuinely happy. You'll never find a greedy person who's genuinely content. Well, why is that? Because greed and generosity have nothing to do about the money. Greed and generosity have everything to do with the heart. And uh, the verse that Michael alluded to over the offering time, Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Wherever my treasure is, there my heart will be. Wherever you see my treasures, you'll find my heart. See, my treasure and my heart are linked. If you follow my treasure, you'll you'll find my heart. So then the best way to change my heart if I'm acknowledging that there's stuff that could be a little bit greedy, if I'm, if I'm acknowledging, you know what, I may be on this side of the church, a little bit on the greedier side, if you can be honest with yourself and kind to yourself and not be guilty about it, but just say, you know what, I'm probably a little bit like that. Best thing to change your heart is to change where you put your treasure. Because if you redirect your treasure, what you're doing according to this verse, you're redirecting your heart. See, greed keeps, our, greed keeps our treasure to ourselves. Greed destroys us. Greed steals our joy. It shrivels our heart. Greed destroys people around us and depletes our life with God. If we start to value our stuff, if we value our convenience, higher than we value obedience to God, 
Or let me find it hard to walk in relationship with him. So the solution to this, Mark, what's the answer? The solution is really easy to say. It's just hard to do. It'd be great if I could just say a prayer. It'd be great if I could give you some words to recite. It'd be great if I could, uh, you know, give you the, the, the simple solution where you could just come and I could lay hands on you and then greed is gone forever. Wouldn't you love that? Not that easy. I can't do that. Rather, God says, you know, instead of investing all your self into your own kingdom, why don't you try investing some of yourself into my kingdom? See, that's generosity. Generosity is when, so, you know, God, you've given me this resource and everything I have comes from you. It says, what can I do? Holy Spirit, help me to be a wise investor. I don't want to store my treasures on earth. I don't want my heart to be bound to the things on earth. Where can I place my things? You know, maybe there's stuff you can give away. Maybe there's stuff you can sell. Maybe there's stuff you just don't need. Because all that stuff clutters us up. All that stuff not only fills our garages and fills our closets and our roof and our under the floor and our boots and our... It, 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 it fills our heart. And so that when, when then God leads us and asks us to give or share or bless someone... Limited. We say, I'd love to, but I can't. I want to, but I've sort of bought all this stuff and I've got all this stuff and I can't. That's generosity. And that's God's antidote for greed. I asked my same child if I was greedy, I asked them the same question what's the opposite of greed? And they got it right. They said, generosity. This morning, if you feel you're a little bit on this side of the line where probably I sort of hover between the two, I'm back and forth. The way to sort your heart out here is generosity. Generosity toward God, generosity toward others. And as soon as you do that, as soon as you start to be generous with what God gives you, even if it's little, it doesn't matter. It's not about the, how much, it's what you do with it. As soon as you start to be generous, greed starts to die. It shrivels up. It's got no place in the kingdom of heaven. So I want to encourage you this morning, be generous. Let's be a people that are generous toward God, generous toward others, even generous toward ourselves sometimes. We need that. But remember, we are not the end point. We don't want to store stuff for ourselves. We want God to bless us so we can bless others. Next week, we're going to talk about jealousy. and That's going to be even more awkward. So just be happy with this one. It's not so bad, all right? <laughs> Either it's going to be empty next week or full. I really believe God wants us to be a people with healed hearts. God wants us to be a people who are free from, yes, anger, yes, guilt, but yes, greed, because God needs his people to be ready to be used by him to be a blessing to others. He wants us to be generous. And the thing that stops us, it's like the tug of war we had at camp, you know? It's a tug of war. And we need to, the more we can be generous, the more strength we have on a side that is going to totally defeat greed. And that's where God wants us. God wants us to be in this realm. 
not that realm. Where are you? Where do you fit? How's your heart? Can I worship team up, please? How's your heart? I just get you just to. Let's just close our eyes just for a moment. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands if you're greedy, okay? Because I know the person sitting next to you will put your hand up for you. I know you don't want that. I just want us to ask a couple of questions and then we'll be done. How's your heart? Really, 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 how's your heart? In the quiet times, in the times when you're struggling, in the times when you're trying to figure out what life's about, how's your heart? Is there any guilt in there? Hopefully not from this message, but is there any guilt? Do you you feel that you're burdened by this weight of guilt? Maybe there's some anger in there. Maybe even this week, it just came out. God doesn't want you to be in that space. That's not where God wants you to walk or live. He wants you to be free. How about greed? Can you connect to any of those points in the message? Did you get angry when I talked about some stuff? If you're really honest with yourself, Is there stuff in there that you wish wasn't there? And if you could do anything to get rid of that greed, would you do it? I'm going to say a prayer. That's the easy bit. The harder bit is when you need to go home and ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Lord, what do I do with this stuff? How do I let go of my guilt and my anger and my stuff? And then obey. God actually has a solution for you. God actually doesn't want to see you trapped by this enemy who's trying to hem you in and and trying to keep you trapped by all these things, these enemies of our heart. God wants you to be free. That's why Jesus came. That's why he's filled you with his Holy Spirit, that you you can allow through his Spirit to work in you and declare that, you know what, I'm free. And it's good enough, it's, it's, it's good to declare it, but sometimes we need to do something about it as well. So this morning, Lord, I pray. Lord, I know this has been a, maybe a difficult message for me to share or maybe a difficult message for us to hear. But Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be a church and a people, Lord, that aren't governed by greed. Lord, I thank you for the incredible blessing that you give us. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us to, to redirect some of that blessing, Lord, into your kingdom. Lord, that we would be able to invest into your kingdom, into your people. Lord, help us to know if we need to sell something or give it away. Help us, Lord, to be free in our, the way we hold on to what you've given us. We understand whatever you've given us is a gift from you to us. And Lord, if, if there's someone else in need and your Holy Spirit asks us, Lord, that we'd be in a position to give and to be generous. And Lord, as we give and as we're generous to you, to others, Lord, that this thing called greed that holds us back, Lord, I just declare that it is defeated in Jesus' name. Lord, that there's, that there's no place for greed in our heart. There's no place for greed in our church or in our community. 
And Lord, that you'd help us to be a people who walk free, free from guilt, free from anger, and free from greed. And Lord, that we would discover the joy of that freedom. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.